You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. It's easy to focus on the political chaos here in the United States and forget that we're seeing similar things happen in other countries around the world. Israeli President Benjamin Netanyahu is embroiled in his own criminal investigation right now. Last month, Israeli police recommended that the four-term prime minister be indicted for bribery in two cases. Late last week, he was questioned in connection with a third investigation. This has added a new twist to the already complicated politics inside Israel. And, of course, it further complicates the much larger global controversy surrounding Israel. How are Jews and Muslims here in Michigan reacting to that? And what lines of communication exist for those communities to come together to have a dialogue about these and other issues. The Jewish Community Relations Council, AJC, has joined with the Michigan Muslim Community Council to present a shared future, the once and future Jerusalem, a special dialogue between Wayne State University professors Howard Lupovich and Saeed Khan. There will be three opportunities to attend the program, March 7th at the Congregation Beth Am in West Bloomfield, March 28th at the Muslim Unity Center in Bloomfield Hills, and April 11th at the Wayne State University David Adamani Undergraduate Library, Burnath Auditorium, right here in Detroit. All programs will take place at 7 p.m. And joining me now to talk more about this exercise is Howard Lubavitch. He's uh, an associate professor of history and director of the Kohn Hadao Center for Judaic Studies at Wayne State University. Howard, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you. Pleasure. Also here is Saeed Khan. He's a lecturer in Near East and Asian Studies at Wayne State University. Saeed, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me back, Steve. Also a familiar face. Um, so let's start with the scandals inside of Israel and how um, how you're reacting to that uh, and what you think the broader significance of this is in the larger conversation about uh, Israeli relationships with, with other countries, including the United States. Howard, I will start with you. Well, the... Uh I mean, as far as the scandal itself, in some ways, it's nothing new. I mean, Prime Minister Netanyahu has been in, engaged in state scandals or accused of being engaged in scandals for some time. He's very adept at talking his way out of things. He is a he is a smooth <laughs> talker. Uh, as far as it's as far as it's the way it affects larger issues, it's unclear at this point because it's unclear as to whether he's going to survive these scandals. As soon as he does, assuming he does, it'll be sort of you know business as usual. If he is forced to resign or forced to leave the government, the big question mark is who is going to replace him. What are the implications for an Israeli government, a coalition uh-huh. which has been built not only about, among certain part by certain parties, but really around the personality of Bibi Netanyahu? I mean, he is such a strong personality there, and has positioned himself really as the main heir of the that that golden age of founders. Mm-hmm. He is the first, really, the first prime minister who wasn't one of the founders. So. It's hard to imagine. I think it's hard for Israelis and it's hard for American Jews to to envision or see Israel beyond Bibi. Yeah. Uh, Saeed? No, I agree with with everything that Howard's saying. Uh, I think that in the case of uh, the corruption investigation, it's it's perhaps just as equally important to consider what will uh, Netanyahu do in order to deflect attention uh, when uh, the iron starts getting hotter. Uh, one thing uh, that he has staked uh, much of his political uh, uh, survival on is an almost a havoc obsession with uh, with Iran, and uh, clearly with some of the uh, the things that have been going on in Syria more recently, like uh, 
the Assad regime's uh, bombardment of uh, a suburb of Damascus, Ghouta, uh, and perhaps even the use of chemical weapons, how this is then going to be seen, how it's going to be leveraged to put the blame on Iran, uh, because Syria is uh, one of its clients, uh, how that is going to then become politicized, um, both in Washington as well as uh, in uh, in Israel, uh, remains to be seen. Uh, Netanyahu has certainly done that uh, for uh, the vast majority of, of his current uh, uh, term as, as prime minister. And at the same time, I think it's important, as Howie said, that uh, who might replace him? Uh, Netanyahu may prove to be uh, the most, uh, and this is a relative term, moderate, compared to some of those personalities that are waiting in the wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you have people like Naftali Bennett, you have people like Avidor Lieberman, uh, who have certainly uh, tacked much farther to the right uh, than he has. And so, in fact, in many ways, uh, not only is he going to see himself as the, uh, the custodian and the caretaker for Israel, but also per, uh, perhaps the worldwide Jewish community, but uh, also for the uh, the Israeli center, <laughs> which is where things have now swung. Yeah. In an ironic sort of way. I, I think I, I would also add that, I mean, I think in the last couple of days or weeks, I think President Trump has thrown Prime Minister Netanyahu a lifeline mm-hmm. with the whole rhetoric of the, of the embassy move. I think it's a largely symbolic gesture that doesn't really mean anything yet. But even the even the rhetoric itself has given has given BB a little bit more credibility. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you make of what Americans are taking in about what's happening in Israel? I'm always really curious about that. That that you know the media here don't do a terribly great job of of covering internal politics um, in other countries. But but Israel's a little different in the sense that there's, you know, a heightened interest uh, among among Americans in that. Are Americans understanding what, what these sort of dynamics that you guys are talking about and, and how important they might be to us? I would say that in the same way that Americans are understanding most news along two very different tracks, yeah. Uh, they're understanding these events along two very different tracks. It depends where you get your news. If, if, you, if you watch Fox News, uh-huh. you are going to hear an ardently supportive version of this story, very pro-Netanyahu, very pro-Israel. If you, I mean, other news outlets, you're going to hear something different. So there are two very consistent stories, but they're two very different stories. Huh. Yeah. Saeed? Yeah, I would say that uh, when it comes to the uh, the perception of Israel and the imagination of, of, of the American audience, uh, it's not really so much a matter of getting into the political deep weeds, uh, whether uh, the prime minister is from Likud or from uh, the Labor Party, rest in peace, uh, or something <laughs> else uh, within, within Israel. I'm not sure that is the level of focus for many for whom Israel holds uh, either a central or a very important uh, uh, aspect of of, uh, of their imagination. For them, it is Israel as a whole. It is the stability and uh, and the survival uh, and the security of Israel. Uh, and and this is of course reflected when it comes to how Congress then looks at Israel. It's not as concerned about what political party is in 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 position as much as is it in uh, providing that kind of support. And you see this actually. Uh, perhaps much more within the evangelical Christian community in America, uh, the politics, uh, both in Israel and how it is refracted in America, seems to be much more variegated in the Jewish community. Yeah, I think I would also mention that within the Jewish community, there's a generational difference, because if you're if you're old enough to remember a time mm-hmm. when the existence of the state of Israel was actually in jeopardy, and I would say if you're old enough to remember October 1973, because that was really the last moment 
then you, you don't take for granted the existence of the state and you tend to be more concerned about security matters and you tend to be much more receptive to and sensitive to when Prime Minister Netanyahu will say the word security. Because hmm. you remember, and especially the older generation, like my parents' generation, they remember before the state existed and the fragility of the state. If you're younger, if you don't remember 1973, you take the, the, the existence of the state for granted, which is not necessarily a bad thing, mm -hmm. and you're much more willing to be critical and to challenge just about anything because in, for, for a younger generation, the non-existence of the state it's not really, it's not a reality. Yeah. They have no recollection of it. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about this dialogue that the two of you want to have. This has been an interesting dialogue so far on the, on the program here, but you sort of want to talk about the different perspectives, I guess, uh, from which you can see the relationships between Israel uh, and its, its Muslim neighbors. Uh, let's talk about the title, a shared future, the once and future Jerusalem. Jerusalem has become uh, a, a, a source of some controversy recently because of the decisions about uh, the American embassy. Uh, is that what you guys want to talk about, or is it a broader look at uh, at these controversies? We're always broader. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the truth of the matter is Jerusalem has always been a matter of controversy. And some, I mean, not just for decades, but for centuries, centuries for right? millennia. Yeah. For a variety of reasons, among a variety of groups, so we really want to uh, give people who attend, give the audience a sense of context and perspective. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the, the most recent developments, yeah, they're important, they're significant, but in the broader scheme of things, they're, they're not. They're, there's there's very little being it's reinvented. Quarter turn in yeah. the in the pages of history. Yeah, right? at both at best. I mean, uh, this is an old story with a lot of nuance to it, and uh, and that's really what we want to try to flesh out together from, and when you bring the different perspectives together, it makes it easier. To, yeah. It makes it more useful that way. Yeah. I think in many ways it was the announcement by President Trump on the issue of the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem that served as the catalyst for being able to bring this up. Because one of the things that I noticed, and I know that Howie did as well, is the reaction from both respective communities, the Jewish community and the Arab community, both farther abroad as well as here in the metro Detroit area. There was what it seemed uh, a certain amount of jubilation uh, from one side of the ledger, uh, which perhaps was uh, misguided in, in, in how inflated it was. Mm -hmm. And there was an anger on the other side of the ledger, which perhaps equally was exaggerated uh, more than it really needed to be. Because if one listened to the announcement and if one read the transcript of the announcement, uh, it's, it, it was still quite ambiguous as to what he was saying. And so this became like Plato's uh, shadows on the cave. Mm -hmm. People read whatever reality they wanted from it. And so <laughs> Howie and I decided that I think it was an important time for us to shed uh, a light on both shadows uh, uh, in order to provide a little bit more accuracy to see what was the historical, the theological, the political, and the cultural importance of Jerusalem in the imagination of both of these communities. Yeah. Uh, how often do you feel like uh, people in both of these communities get to talk to each other about these issues. Uh, and I would imagine that there, there's something lurking there about why have these, uh, these dialogues between the two of you. I think, I think very infrequently. Uh, I, I think that there is uh, something metaphoric about the fact that whenever there are uh, peace talks between the Palestinians and the Israelis, uh, Jerusalem is always defined as a final 
uh, 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 negotiation point. And it is uh, the proverbial uh, can that gets kicked further down the road. (laughs) And I think that's something that we find reflected even in communities that irrespective of how uh, affable they become and how much trust is built, uh, it is such an 800-pound gorilla in the room that many people uh, seem to want to just simply avoid it because they don't want to have a backslide in relations that have been built. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's sort of odd, though, that in this community you wouldn't have those opportunities given the large numbers of, uh, of residents who can claim one of these communities or another. Is that, is that an opportunity for us to be maybe a little different from other, other places? Absolutely. I, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Stephen, is that I think our community is unique in that, that we've had a large Jewish community and a large Muslim community side by side for a very for, long time, forever, virtually seems, without right? incident. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's mirrored in microcosm on, uh, microcosm on Wayne State campus mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we the, the opportunity is there. I think we've, we're better than we were, but obviously it's not nearly as frequent as it could be. I mean, there are, I, I think there are, there, there are individual or personal contexts. I, and I talk all the time and that goes on. And it, it gets tricky when it becomes organizational or institutional because every organization uh, has a you know has has a, a constituency to answer to, so it has to be more more carefully crafted. But that's that's the value of this of, of this series is that it gives a way to talk in a in a thoroughgoing and and a nuanced way, yeah. In yeah. A, in, you know, in an in depth way, not just sound bites. And that, I mean, I, I think that's one of the keys to this. I mean, you you both are experts. Uh, in in all of these things and can bring the context and history to the conversation without making it threatening. I mean, that's it, one of the things that I think uh, is is difficult is getting people to understand that the that context and history are not intended to make them feel unintelligent or outside the conversation, but to bring them in. Well, part of it is that um, irrespective of our level of expertise, and we appreciate the compliment yeah, nice. uh, regarding... <laughs> I just re- said you guys are smart guys. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, if only somebody else felt that way about us. Um, but, but the thing that we don't have and that we've never pretended to have is the level of emotional investment that many in the community have that oftentimes eclipses the intellectual yeah. aspect of this. But nonetheless, uh, it is extremely important to have the kind of intellectual accuracy. Uh, otherwise, people are just simply building their emotions on houses of cards. And it would be nice if people got a sense that, I mean, as, as hot a topic as Jerusalem is, within the, the history of the city itself, there is a long history of coexistence. Even the old city, it had a Jewish quarter right next to a Muslim quarter yeah. for for centuries, and, and, a, and, and a Christian and Armenian quarter as well, and largely without incident. This was not one of the real, I mean, the first centuries, this was not one of the main centers of struggle mm-hmm. between any of these groups. And in some ways, uh, th- that situation was politicized in the 20th century, but reflecting back on this neighborly coexistence, and I don't want, I don't want to be overly Pollyanna about it, obviously, but there, in, in some ways, in an odd way, mm-hmm. The old city of Jerusalem was kind of like Detroit yeah. in that way, or Detroit huh. was kind of like the old city of Jerusalem. Nice little send up for Detroit. Right. There. You mean before right. the riots, <laughs> 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 which which were in 1967, which is which is really kind of ironic. Pretty yeah. important but, year there yeah. too. Right? But but I think that you know, for as much as people like to make the argument that their passions are driven by the uniqueness of Jerusalem, and in many ways Jerusalem is a very unique place. This idea of coexistence is not. Uh, having just returned from Fez in in Morocco. 
seeing the areas of coexistence among Christians, Jews, and Muslims in this very important town, Cordoba, Spain. Uh, there have been plenty of places uh, where you find this kind of synergy, this kind of engagement occurring. And in fact, who knows, maybe it is the example of those cities that could be the promise for understanding how to negotiate some of the turmoil in uh, in Jerusalem, not the other way around. Yeah, great point. Yeah. Okay. Howard Lupovich, Associate Professor of History and Director of the Cohn Haddow Center for Judaic Studies at Wayne State University. Thanks for being here. Pleasure. Also, Saeed Khan, Lecturer in Near East and Asian Studies at Wayne State University. Thanks for being here. Thanks again, Stephen. Remember, they will be together three times uh, for a program called A Shared Future, the Once and Future Jerusalem. You can see it March 7th at the Congregation Beth Am in West Bloomfield, March 28th at the Muslim Unity Center in Bloomfield Hills, and April 11th at the Wayne State University David Annamanning Undergraduate Library Bernath Auditorium in Detroit. All of the programs will take place at 7 p.m. That'll do it for us on Detroit Today. Today, I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Neer. <clears throat> the program director is Joan Isabella. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. And the associate producers are Ziad Butch and Gus Navarro. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET Sam Bovian. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.